You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian, along, as always, with... George. And today, uh, we have three guests with us. You brothers want to introduce yourselves? I am Michael Schaffron, pastor of Mount Moriah Baptist Church. I'm Jonathan Rollins, one of the pastoral residents here at the Mount. And I'm Zach Connolly, one of the other pastoral residents at the Mount. Amen. Now, today, we're going to put you all in the hot seat. Okay. Uh, We want to put another episode in the file of our series, Love in Hard Places. Uh, We want to talk about preaching as love in hard places. And maybe that's a a new or strange thought for some folks, either preaching as love or preaching as difficult or having its share uh, of difficulties. Uh, But I think, I think our contention is going to be preaching uh, what a grace, what a privilege, what a calling, but also what a labor Indeed. of love. So first then, uh, why don't we all give the listeners an idea of our experience in preaching? How many times have you preached, Zach? Uh, I have done two small sermons in Psalm. Yeah? Psalms. What Psalms? Uh, Psalms 4 and 6. 4 and 6. Yes. I think when I counted the night, I'm up to about 20, 25, okay. mm-hmm. all total. Um, yep. That's one. And you've, you've preached? I've preached w- twice in our main, main twice. service. Yeah, two main services. One did Psalm 5 for the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then I was on a rotation at our old church and preached probably once every at least quarter, if not two months. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then George? Um, I haven't ever kept track, but it's probably in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 times, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there. And since we've been eldering together, how many times a year do you think it is? It's probably about six or seven. Six or seven times a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm probably at about somewhere between four and 500, which is not a lot actually. And I left you for last because I'm imagining you're more, way more than that. Yeah, I didn't figure all the numbers out. It was more like 45 times a year for uh, for at least 12 years. But that's only Sunday morning, not counting everything teaching else. Sunday right. night and all the other things. So. Sure. Right. So more than four or 500. Correct. So among the five of us, we have someone who has preached twice yep. total. Yep. In the brief history of your life. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we have a brother... Here, who has preached well over 500 times. So there you go. All right. So now, uh, first question, George, I'll okay. put it to you as always, because we like to defer to you. Oh, great. <laughs> as our the sage of the church. Snake. First question, what is preaching? Preaching. Uh, I mean, we, as we talked about this morning, actually, in depth, it's been a great morning, but uh, it is heralding. It, it's proclaiming God's word um, so that the body can grow, be edified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else want to add anything to to that? I would say it's the act of a person standing on the authority of Scripture, proclaiming 
scripture. Mm-hmm. To whom? To the to the body, to the church, <laughs> um, <clears throat> to believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with an ear to unbelievers who might be in attendance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael, you add anything to that? Yeah, it really is heralding. You're heralding the truth. It's not your message. Mm. Uh, it is the king's message. It is the Lord's message. Mm. And so you you are you're just a herald. You're just the the one who is proclaiming uh, the message that you have been given. And um, you want to do it. I, I like with uh, Ezra and Nehemiah here, uh, where it just says that he helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book. Uh, from the law of God clearly, yeah. and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And so that, that, that's really what you're doing. They mm-hmm. weren't talking about what they wanted to. They talked about the the law, mm-hmm. the word. Yeah. I think the only thing that I would add to all that is that in order for it to be distinctly Christian preaching, as we were talking about um, in our table talk this morning, uh, is that Christ has to be... In it as well, yes. right? Uh, for it to be distinctly Christian preaching, we understand that every part of the Word of God, in one way or another, ultimately leads us to Jesus. And so we're seeking to not only just herald a, a specific text, but then herald the Christ that is presented to us by every text as well. Uh, so we want to give people Jesus at the end of the day. All right. Uh, this may be debatable today, uh, but is preaching... Loving is preaching loving. Uh, why or why not? And if so, why so? How so? Feel free to answer anybody. Yeah, yeah I think it absolutely is loving because uh, if if you are preaching the right way, if you're doing what what we've been talking, you're right. giving truth. Yeah, you're giving <laughs> truth, and so the the most loving thing that you can tell anybody is the truth. Mm-hmm. And and so as long as you are proclaiming truth, uh, mm-hmm. now I understand there are different ways that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, is there an unloving way to yeah. preach? Sure, sure, there is. Yeah. So, but just as far as preaching, as just proclaiming, just in a general sense, assuming the best, assuming the best. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Assuming the best, it is mm-hmm. absolutely loving. It is absolutely, and, and and I also think one of the reasons why it is loving is because this is the declared method that God has given. Mm, yeah, and so since this is the declared method that God has given to to utilize, He doesn't say make videos, you know. He doesn't say. Uh, oh, he, he says he doesn't say do podcasts. That he doesn't <laughs> so, say po- do yeah, podcasts. You just have the joy. Of doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. But but he says yes. it, it, it right. is through preaching yeah absolutely how about either of you brothers uh how do you perceive preaching to be loving well i would just say it's definitely loving because if it's done correctly you're presenting the gospel mm-hmm. in a clear way i mean it's not up to you as the pastor to uh, save people but mm-hmm. it is the message and God's responsibility to mm-hmm. come back and save them mm-hmm. as the and we're giving them the, the the words we're giving them the yes. message that he uses mm-hmm. to do that yeah. yeah yeah anybody else want to speak to that is preaching loving 
I would say it's definitely loving. Ultimately, it's God's word. It is what they need to hear. For us not to give them God's word would actually be rather unloving. Um, mm-hmm. It would lock them off from both hearing it for whether they're a believer, it locks them off from really experiencing sanctification in community. And then as far as unbelievers, when they have no opportunity to hear, we're, we're ultimately saying we don't love them mm-hmm. um, enough to share the message with them. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a time for you know relational you know evangelism and having people in your yeah. home, but ultimately it is preaching. It is the proclaimed gospel that is powerful mm-hmm. in people's hearing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a little bit in our uh, a culture today, I would say a little bit, probably a lot of it, but uh, where it's almost like you, you can't say anything that isn't celebratory of, of what someone believes or thinks mm-hmm. or how they right, live sure. and this kind of thing. You can't say anything against that uh, and be, and be loving. Uh, I think we want to shun that. Uh, we want to disagree with that politely, kindly, um, charitably uh, disagree with that. And uh, we want to model that in, in the way that we preach as well. Uh, we are proclaiming, we have a responsibility to be proclaiming, putting out the word of God that he's given to us into the world. <clears throat> and um, at the end of the day, uh, the hope is that people be converted by that. They'll, they'll be saved. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely... Definitely a loving thing. I, I want to also uh, approach it from the perspective of, let's say, a shepherd, right? So pastorally, uh, you, you think back to to John 10 and Jesus talking about uh, himself as the good shepherd. The, the sheep hear my voice, voice yeah. and they follow me. The most loving thing that the shepherd can do for the sheep is to, to let out that distinctive voice where they know that's... That's the shepherd. He, he's going to care for me, take care of me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to nourish me, feed me, all these kinds of things. And so there is a sense from the pastoral perspective as well that I think we absolutely have to say that preaching is loving. It's the distinctive voice of the shepherd or the shepherds of that church calling out to those particular mm-hmm. sheep. Hey, we, we, we love you. We care for you. We want to nourish you and feed you on the word of God. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you saying John brings me <laughs> constantly. It appears back to Ezekiel. I mean, mm-hmm. part of me wants to say, oh, okay, always we should preach with not just condemnation, but there should always be a little bit of hope. And I don't, maybe we can't even do that because Ezekiel was told, just preach what I tell you. Mm. They really have nothing to hope for right now. And it isn't until later that he's really then called after the people have experienced exile fully and Jerusalem destroyed that he then goes, okay, now it's time for me to preach hope. Hmm. There is an element of hope, and, and, and luckily yeah. we have Christ, who is always a hope that we can extend. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, the one we're loving and the one we're called to serve is Christ. Mm-hmm. So sometimes even when what we say doesn't come across as loving, um, ultimately we, in our love for Christ, are, are called to speak the whole truth. Right, and I think that's where I was probably going, speaking culturally about the issue of tolerance and these kinds of things, is yeah. that at the end of the day, uh, you know, like if I understand that the road in front of our house is a very, uh, you know, traffic-filled road, mm-hmm. and my three-year-old is continually running out into that ro- road because I love her, even though she wants, it doesn't matter how badly she wants to be out on the road and right. play and ride her scooter and all this kind of stuff, I'm going to call her back. Mm -hmm. I'm going to warn her. I'm going to tell her the truth about what's going on there in order to spare her life. Yeah. Right. She may not like it. She may pitch a fit. She may cry and all these kinds of things. But I've done the loving thing as a father. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Okay. So in thinking about the difficulty of preaching, preaching as love in hard places, I want us to work our way through three categories of thought on preaching. So uh, philosophy of preaching, preparation for preaching, and then the preaching moment. So philosophy, preparation, moment. So, so brothers, what is our philosophy of preaching? We don't have to have it exactly alike, but our philosophy of preaching, why do we think it's best? Uh, but then, but then why might it be difficult today as well? So ours here at the Mount is expositional preaching, mm -hmm. exposing the Bible to the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't had extensive conversations with where we came up with that, but I mean, you see it in scripture all over the place. You see Ezra who takes the law right, well, Michael's and ex explains it to the people. You take, um, the whole book of Hebrews, you know, and he just, Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage, arguably in one sermon, is just building this and exposing the explaining people it. and explaining the Bible to the people in an effort to draw a response mm -hmm. to God's word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anybody else want to add to that? Philosophy of preaching? A word on expositional preaching? Yeah, sure. I mean, philosophy-wise... Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely expositional. Um, we want people to experience not just old, but all, or not just New Testament, but also old. Um, mm -hmm. Consider, you know, all of God's word is relevant mm -hmm. to Christians' lives. It's all Christian scripture. Out. It is all yes. Christian scripture. Right. Um, so it's important that they're experiencing all of it. Um, we do think that it's understandable by um, those who are in the pews. I guess we don't really have pews, but, you know, the idea. So <laughs> those who are in the body should be able to understand it. Um, obviously, there's historical context that we have to work through, but we don't believe that what we're bringing is um, you have to just understand history my way, and it's the perfect key to understanding Scripture. Mm -hmm. We believe that the Holy Spirit actually is what informs and enlightens us uh, to Scripture's meaning. And so our, our goal is really not to come up with some really inventive way of this is what scripture means, but to really let scripture speak through us as preachers so that the congregation can worship Christ along with us and grow in their knowledge of who Jesus is, and yeah. what God is doing among them. Yeah. I think one aspect of the philosophy is to uh, keep Christ central. You had already alluded to this, yeah. Brian, mm -hmm. where, yeah, I mean, Paul talks about that in, in uh, Colossians, him we proclaim, right, and and mm -hmm. and so in that you want to make sure that as a philosophy that the the sermon is indeed distinctly Christian. So that can be problematic <laughs> in certain times when people are trying to make applications mm -hmm. or or coming out of things. Uh, we we had a discussion one time in a in a course or I can't remember where it was, but it was you know how do you know how, what makes a sermon Christian? Um, you right. know if a if a Mormon could listen to the sermon or a Jehovah's Witness could listen to the sermon uh, and, and and agree with everything that you say, is it really a Christian sermon? Um, and so I think a high view of of Christ. Uh, a a mm. that we are here uh, to sit under the word and to exalt mm. Jesus, and that the point of the sermon is not for me to go home and be able to better manage my money, mm. 
or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, those things may happen. Well, you know what I'm saying, but they may be side uh, effects. Yes, they're not the main point. That's not the main point. Yeah. So, so, so the point of your sermon to be the point of the passage. Yes. That you right. preach. That you're yes. preaching. Expositional preaching. Expositional preaching. Yeah. And and I also want to add that I think as a philosophy, it's important to see the overarching understanding of the whole of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that so that you're not just bogged down into this one little thing. You right. you are Losing seeing focus. Yes. You're you're able to see. The whole trajectory, I, I, I call it biblical theology. That's right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you're, you're understanding, you know, here's, here's law and, and um, here, here's king and, and what, right. how's it all fulfilled in Christ? How are right. all these things linked and where right. they Which is, which is, which is vitally important. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with folks who have grown up in churches who haven't really uh, preached expositionally through the text of Scripture, the canon of the Scripture. It's been more of a here and there, kind of picking my passage, picking mm-hmm. my spots. And, and not only that, but it's never really brought into a unified you know, thread yeah. that, that right. climaxes in Jesus Christ. They don't understand these Christians. They don't understand that the Bible, though it has 66 books, is one book mm-hmm. uh, with one great divine author who has this great redemptive story to tell in Jesus Christ. And so understanding it as a whole story like that, I think, is something that really is sorely lacking uh, in, in churches today and a lot of Christians' lives. So uh, anything else we want to say here about, about philosophy of preaching? I would say that, I mean, for me, uh, in terms of, so we're talking about expositional preaching, uh, again, uh, that can be viewed in a way that's very like, well, it's just like a lecture, it's very stodgy, right. it's very dry, it's not exciting or it's not relevant that you are explaining the word of God uh, to us in, in that way. Uh, and so we have to kind of doll up our preaching in these kinds of things, or we just kind of pick, again, pick and choose our spots, our passages, things that we're comfortable saying. Um, but unfortunately, and, answering that proposed problem is going to take us to the third element, and we're not there yet. I know. <laughs> see, now, see, you just did to me what I always do to you. I know, I know. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, Turn the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so let's do that. I will, I, will, I will go by your sage wisdom and advice here and move on into the next question. How, in your experience, have you benefited from preparing to preach? And then what's been difficult about the preparation process? Zach, you want to go? Again, this is all sure. this is this is newest for yeah, you. Newer, so yeah. you have right. Been. So tell us maybe maybe we'll we'll get a, a better sense from you of the difficulties. Uh, What are some things that meet you in your preparation for preaching? Just how much work goes into it. It's (laughs) fair. Fair. Yeah. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Like these guys just make it look so easy. Uh, When they can go up there and it's 45, 50 minutes, then just talking and preaching. And it's like, oh, anyone can do that. And it's like, no, it's, it's really difficult. And, um, I would say things I've learned, I've yeah. definitely learned, um, just how in depth you can go in just mm. a few short verses and how much you can just pull out of that and just how much it just, it touches on so many other parts of the Bible mm. and yeah, it's just great and, um, 
what was the rest of your question? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, you and I, so you've done this twice. Yes. You and I have, I think both times we've sat down together, we've gone through sort of the, the, the process of interpretation and, yes. and, and things of that nature. Um, what, what In that process, what are some of the things that maybe stand out to you and you go, oh man, like I'd never even really thought about that or maybe realized that, anything at all? Yeah. Um, just having a keen eye to mm. look at it and then coming back and looking at it again and again <laughs> and again. And yeah. just, it's like, you read it one time and you're sitting there confused and you're yeah. perplexed about what did I just read? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, let's go back through it. And you're like, Hmm, I think that makes a little bit more sense. And then as you like sit on it and probably go through about the rest of the week and you keep just running through it in your head, you're, it's kind of, it starts to really make sense. And <laughs> Like the last last song I did was Psalm six, and the first time I read through it, and I was like, "He wants me to do this." <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I can do. Which that. I'm so thankful for your willingness to just do it. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was yeah. like, "Okay, <laughs> throw into it." And right. and then the second time I'm like, "Okay, I think I can do this." And by the time I actually got up there and did the small devotional. Uh, I was, I was like, this is probably one of my favorite chunks of scripture. Yeah. Just how, how David was just mm. so broken in that scripture and mm -hmm. how, how telling it is and how real it felt mm -hmm. in it. So, yeah. And then you, you multiply that over yeah. a decade of preaching yeah. and then essentially the whole Bible becomes, you know, uh, glory land mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else that we want to add here? Uh, I mean, benefits from sermon benefits prep. from sermon prep. Yeah, I mean, difficulties. Benefits, difficulties. Uh, certainly, getting to kind of have a realization you're not preaching to nobody. There, there's actual people. You're, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're not of the mindset that we're preaching to the masses like on online. We have a specific body we are preaching to, and that means we're preaching. To people who have particular, you know, things in life, circumstances, goals, mm. aspirations, ways that they have been discipled. And and so taking that into account as we're preaching, certainly both a hard thing and something that has helped me better understand the process of preparing to preach and what I'm trying to do ultimately. Mm. Um, so that means sometimes you do talk about the subject that's hard uh, because it needs to be talked about and can, I mean, not that we want to try to avoid it, but sometimes you just have to go right into a difficult passage, take it head on and let it speak to the body. And then sometimes you need to be, you know, wise, you know, somebody dealing with new hardship, maybe it's not the time to just slam them with, you know, God's will and suffering. Maybe it's not. And so being, having that pastoral wisdom is something that you just develop over time. And I'm not saying mm. I'm there, but I think it's something we develop over time as we, you know, practice getting ready for preaching because if you leave it for just the moment of preaching you're just stepping all over yourself and so it is really preparation which is going to really set that up hmm. um i love original languages i love foreign languages in general obviously that's already a well established, established. fact yeah and so yeah part of preparation being actually going through the passage in hebrew in greek mm -hmm. is just something i look forward to mm -hmm. um but 
obviously. It just takes time. You're a rare gem. Well. <laughs> or a rare George. The gem is fine. That's my initials, actually. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> it is your Those are your initials. They are my initials. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, learning that you have to deal with your sin at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, we we deal with the same kind of things that the body does because ultimately we are yeah. sheep. Um, so as preachers, we have to learn to keep our short accounts with those around us, with God, yeah. um, as we deal with idolatry, with arrogance, with pride, with mm-hmm. self-worship. Um, yeah, we have to deal with all that stuff too. And so it gives us both a little bit of humility as we deal with other people, but certainly uh, the preparation helps us in that. We don't just yeah. come to the sermon, open up the Bible, read a passage and say, oh, well, of course that's what that means. Yeah. We've struggled with it through the week and we yeah. know where it's hit us, wrestled. where it's worked on our hearts and <clears throat> called us out of some you know dark areas we shouldn't have been or you know highlighted some things that God is doing that mm-hmm. we would have maybe not noticed if we hadn't paid attention mm-hmm. to his word. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the greatest benefit is is in your own life. Yeah. If, if you make the passage, I, I, I'm not, I never try to think, I'm not saying I don't ever do it, <laughs> but, but I never try to think, hey, I'm studying for this for Sunday just to present this for Sunday. I think of it as I am doing my own study and my own walk with God and this is, this is what I need right now. And right. so when I get up and I preach, sure, it's organized. At least I try to make it organized and, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But I'm just, I'm just sharing with people really what I have learned throughout the week. Um, I think mm-hmm. if you do that, there, there's, a, there's a passion and a love that goes into your preaching mm-hmm. because, because you love it. Uh, if you want to talk about something that you really don't care about that hasn't affected you, right. then you're, you're not going to be passionate about that. You're not going to care. But when, when something happens to you and you've been learning, I mean, you just want to share. And so that's the greatest part is just the the in, in the preparation. Now, the difficulty, <laughs> why it might be difficult, um, is because there are so many other things going on. Mm-hmm. There, there are, mm-hmm. and, and for you just to have that quiet time uh, to rid your mind of all of the distractions. You mean that your pastoral experience sure. is not the utopian yeah. vision where you're just able to sit there with open Bible and... We are not ivory tower people. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the goal someday. Yeah. Is to be <laughs> but till then. Right. You know. At the same time, it's that infinite reading budget. Yeah. Till you are in yes. the new creation. Yes. <laughs> yes, I know, right? So, yeah, so they're right. just there are all. So, but, but you have, you know, I think there there are seasons. There are times in pastoral ministry when you're preaching yeah. continuously. There, there are times where you're going to have seasons where you're able to really just savor on these, and then there are going to be other times where right. you're going to be it's able like, to savor it, but it is going to be a little. It's our main devotion. Yeah, be set aside is. for prayer and the ministry of the word. But yes, it's not the only devotion. That's right. Like it's, and, and that's I mean, just that's in pastoral families, ministry. There's faith, that's right. There's 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 husbandry. Mm-hmm. There are children. Yep. There then then there is church. Opportunity. Maybe if you're bivocational, you also have a job that you're trying to add on to that ding, as well. Ding ding ding. Like yeah. George. <laughs> right. Or yeah, that's right. So, okay, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah, the, and, and so the, it, it, it can be difficult yeah. um, 
you know, when when you just don't have as but but I think that you, you need to make that time. Yeah. And and you you just have to I, I have found you just get into it. Mm-hmm. You you just you have to make yourself do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot go into the pulpit unprepared. You I mean just you just you just cannot do that. It it's a non negotiable. And so And you can tell. You can. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. Jonathan, do you have anything you want to add to either one of those benefits or difficulties? I would say the benefit for me is not being a regular preacher. Um, Who has a full-time job. But I also have a full-time job. and Three children (laughs) at the age of five. Right. And a wife. Yeah, that's right. You know, life. (laughs) But I, I enjoy, when I do get to preach, getting that extra time to kind of savor it. Yeah, right. Um, some people are going to hate my analogy, but I kind of liken it to a cow chewing his cud. <laughs> I get to chew on it for a while. Right. You know? Yeah. Sometimes because I have a, a job, I have to go put it away for a second. But then, you know, on my commute or other times I'm bringing it back out and I'm mulling it over again. Yeah. You know, just... So I, I found for me, like kind of like Zach was saying, that it takes sometimes two, three... 10, 20 times through the passage to really get my head around mm-hmm. what's going on. Because when I first started, I made the the mistakes of diving straight to commentaries immediately. Mm-hmm. And then I, I didn't get anything out of it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but And why would that be a mistake, do you think? Well, it's going to do the work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's not a labor anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm taking everybody else's work and compiling it into... Hmm. one thing that I get to stand up there and say that really doesn't have a lot of my effort and I haven't let it mull around in my own head and I'm not excited about it like like Michael was saying because I haven't let it hmm. affect me you know and if, mm-hmm. if it hasn't affected me it's not going to come out that way yeah. um, it, can, of, it can also get us down into the weeds way before we've dealt started developing application and sometimes yeah. we don't figure out leading way. with commentary yeah, yeah. We, we just get so into weeds that oh now I've got all this detail and I've got all this information mm. and we, we're like mm. or, uh, yeah. who has time for application after or, that? or you just don't even think yeah. about it you have so much detail and you've, you've, yeah. So, yeah. you've lost well, forest for the trees <clears throat> or what right. application you have is so broad that it doesn't affect the listener right yeah. Um, sometimes spending the time and it's difficult for me here because we've only been here for a year is as I'm trying to prepare a sermon thinking through the people in the body and <laughs> I, I am preparing the sermon for me first I've got right. to preach that to myself first right but then there is thinking through that application of it's not just an exposition of a text but you're also having to do somewhat of an exposition of a congregation mm-hmm. as well and those things are colliding in and it, it's like what George was saying thinking yeah. through it my passage deals with this topic but this person just had this happen and I have to be very careful mm-hmm. how I but I also have the hard time on the other side is kind of that almost a fear of well, not almost it is a fear of man in that you're talking about it being a labor of love. Sometimes when the tone is very direct and God is saying very specifically that this is what you're to do, sometimes it's hard to stand up there and say that because <laughs> you're like, they're going to hate me. And no, they don't. Uh, they may hate you, but they really are hating the message. You're and they're just, providing your salary too. <laughs> don't listen to that, Mel Church. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, <laughs> I, I used to work for the government. I heard that plenty I can't of times. Cut that out. It's too, too, it's too ingrained. Yeah, in the exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right. Um, I lost my train of thought. But um, but try try to think yeah. through and 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 have the tone of yeah. what the body needs to hear from this text without overwatering it down or maybe even being too hard with it mm-hmm. and coming out and just yeah. hellfire and brimstone kind of preaching and you know the poor people in the front row get baptized in saliva. <laughs> you know, but taking the time to yeah. go through the text and as Paul said, the truth in love. Yeah. And making sure that this is hard. The Bible yeah. says that, you know, whatever passage you've got, this is what yeah. you should do or not do. But bearing in mind that the truth in love is explaining that. And these are the reasons why perhaps that you know, the situation calls for going into the reasonings beyond just mm-hmm. God says so, therefore do it. Sometimes yeah. that there is room for yeah. giving reasons because, you know, this is going to happen to your life or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, well, I think too, like when part of part of the uh, the benefit of being able to marinate in the text is that you're not just seeing how okay, you're not just trying to exegete and exposit a text. You're not just thinking about uh, exegeting and expositing a people, but you're also trying to, in the process of of sitting in that text, you're trying to figure out there is an actual tone mm-hmm. to the text, you know. Yeah. And so we want to we want to strike the right mm-hmm. tone, the right note for the congregation as well. Yeah, um, sometimes that is going to be a little more heavy, you know. Uh, sometimes that's going to lend itself to a more what we might call pastoral, winsome, persuasive, um, coddling, comforting kind of kind of tone as well. But we're trying to there there are it's not just okay. Here's a text, and I'm just going to talk about it. Right. That's what we're trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. It's much more involved than that. Yeah, yeah I think one th- in in dealing with what you're saying there, um, in in preaching a hard passage or something that is difficult, one thing that I like to try to share with the people is that I'm in it with them. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm not the one saying this. This is God saying this, mm-hmm. and so you know. Uh, don't repay evil with evil, but rather right. repay evil with good. And I say, boy, you know, that's hard sometimes. Yeah. So rather than just you, you people right. need to be doing this. Yeah. It's more you know, us, we. Yes. Language. More us, we. I say, this is difficult. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. So yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm under it with yeah. you. And I, yeah. I found that that for me makes preaching the harder passages in, yeah. a, a little easier and also, just try to be understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, especially towards the back end, um, again, when we talk about sermons, we're usually talking about, I don't know, 35 to 55 minute uh, monologues, right? Um, and usually, even in when I'm preaching, um, the, the, the affection, the emotion, it's kind of there consistently throughout. I mean, you guys can speak into that. But if I'm if I'm going to be hit with the tears, right? It's always towards towards the end as we're as we're rising to to Jesus, you know. And similarly throughout the course of the week, so it's not in a forty five minute you know spot of time, but it's over five days. And I get to the back end of the week, and I'm at the point where now I'm I'm really kind of going at this is what I'm going to say here. Uh, there are moments there where it's almost like. It's, you've walked into glory sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, 
I see him, you know, and there's, there is a palpable sense that you are having that felt you're always asking for it, but then sometimes it's even more palpable than normal. And you're just like, uh, he's with me. You know, I, I, I see him more clearly than I normally do. And those, those are the, the moments every week that I'm, I'm praying for and shooting for, because again, you're talking about walking into the pulpit, man. Like I, I think it was, uh, uh, the congregation talking about Robert Murray McShane, you know, said the thing that was so um, uh, winning and powerful about his preaching was not necessarily his exposition. It was him, right? It was the demeanor. It was like we were listening to someone who had been in the presence of God, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think that's what we want when we come up there to preach. We want to have spent that week being in the presence of God, being in the presence of Christ, such that we begin to, like Moses a little, we're shining, we're glowing uh, with having been with him. And then that, that also, along with what we're saying, is preaching, it's communicating that this person, they really do know Christ and, and have, have been with him. All right, well, I think we're going to have to cut it off right there for this episode and bring it back for another round. Yeah. All right, let's do Sounds that. Good. Thanks, brothers.